You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Belly on up to the 9-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. His name is Ed. Two buddies sitting in a basement at my bar talking White Sox baseball. For four years now, this show has been around. I've had two guys sit here. Ed's been here half the time. I think you're at the halfway point at this point, my friend. Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. I, I think we're getting to about the halfway point. When uh, when I cease to just being a guy that would occasionally call in with nonsense and <laughs> pretending to be somebody else and... Uh, <laughs> And uh, actually became a part of the show. Yeah, and you know what I love about it is four years into this, I can go back and I can listen to like the early shows, and I can hear all the hope and the dreams. And, <laughs> and now I'm sitting here in the middle of this season, and I feel so stupid for having so many hopes and so many dreams. It's just, it's brutal, and we're going to get into a few things. We're going to have some fun today. We've got Adam Kaplan talking about who, if any, White Sox players. I know there's got to be one, but who, who's got a real shot at making the All-Star team? Uh, so he wrote an article recently on Sox on 35th. We're going to get into that. We've got your corn in the basement report to talk about what's going on in the minor leagues and a few interesting observations. And we have a ton of things to kind of announce that are coming up if you want to hang out with Sox in the basement. Let me get that out of the way right away. The day this episode comes out, July the 1st, July the 1st, look at the standings, try not to hurl. July the 1st, the day this episode comes out, there is a 4th of July parade at 6.30 p.m. kicking off in downtown Evergreen Park, and we will be sitting directly in front of our sponsors here at Socks in the Basement Family Waterproofing Solutions, named one of the Southtown's best in 2021 by the Daily Southtown. I expect that again this year. For Boeing Walls, Window Wells, Foundation Crack Repair, it's the perfect time to take care of concrete moving up and down. That's a foundation issue. They can fix that without breaking up the sidewalk, the driveway, the patio. They're going to take care of it. It's going to look better. It's going to protect your home. They are family-owned and operated ever since they started in 2013 and if you mention socks in the basement you get a deep discount 24 7 give them a call at 708-330-4466 see what a difference a family makes at familydry.com and if you're in evergreen park during the parade stop by uh say hi i'll have the mic maybe we could talk a little uh socks and i'll hand you some free swag so that should be a lot of fun after that some other places you can you can bump into us You heard in the last episode, if you missed it, go back and get it on demand. The Papa Hops Tournament. We will be there Friday, July 8th at the 8th Annual 16-Inch Softball Papa Hops Tournament at Kennedy Park last night. I was hanging out at the big party that they have ahead of time for all the team captains while they were giving them all the rules, and here's where you're going to be in the brackets, and I was invited out to kind of hang out with the Hopkins and all the participants. We talked a little White Sox. I cannot wait to be there. The championship game will be announced by myself and Ed. So we're excited about that. And then down the line, Ed, yeah. we have in Blue Island on Sunday, July 17th, we are going to be doing a live broadcast during a White Sox game. When they asked me what time do you want to do it, I said put it like smack dab in the middle of the game that'll be on TV because by by about the third inning, they'll probably be losing and then we could just do the show. But we have these uh, these two gentlemen who wrote a book about Dick Allen and it's called Chili Dog MVP about Dick Allen and the 1972 White Sox and a transformation of Chicago. 
They are good friends of the folks over at Blue Island Beer Company, and they asked me whether or not I would come over and interview them there. And I said, what the heck? I can drink some beer and we can talk White Sox. That is going to be at Bibco, Blue Island Beer Company, on July the 17th. It uh, The event kicks off at 1230. I believe I'll start the, the podcast with Ed and with the guest at about 2 p.m. So the game starts and then at some point while it's on the TVs around us, we'll do a little bit of a podcast. So if you want to come out to Blue Island, July the 17th, go ahead and, and circle that one. We'll have some fun. It feels like I, I'm I'm scheduling things for us to do because the White Sox aren't giving me anything to do. It's hard to turn it on right now. Well, you mentioned you, you can go back and listen to the old shows and listen to, to your your hopes and your dreams and the, the childlike innocence with which you were professing your love and fandom and then you know I, I would say if anybody listens all the way through and can pinpoint the episode where chris's heart snaps and his soul dies uh let us know i think that's going to be a fun thing for you to do over the weekend if you uh if you don't have much to do on the long weekend here. I find the moment that everything just went awry where i just got that blank look on my face and i, I was like in shell shock over what has happened. And look, I, at this point now, I just laugh might out have loud been right, It might have been right before I joined the show, just saying. But it, you're <laughs> right. They're not giving you anything to look forward to right now. I mean, the games are the games. You're, you're, you're hopeful that they'll win and string a few together. But that's that's all we're, we're grasping on, right? Isn't it? it? It's just, it's hopes and prayers that they'll string together four wins in a row. Win I know. a series. I know. Look, I, I want to get Merkin back on. I want to get Scott Merkin back on very soon because he is asking the questions. We have a lot of guys that come on the show. Scott Greger's a beat reporter is on this show all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We get we get James Fegan who comes on the show. We get Scott Merkin. These are guys that are like embedded with the team. And every time Tony's asked a tough question lately, I feel like it's Scott's voice. I hear it. And he asked him a question about Larry Garcia who I know is a lightning rod, and again, I will say it. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I don't have anything against him. He's just a microcosm of the season. He's a microcosm of the failures of the front office because that was their solution at second base. I mean, look at it. Three years, $16.5 million. They could say whatever they wanted to. Tony intended this guy to play a lot, right? And he's playing way too much. And and he's a, he's a, he's a microcosm of all of Tony's mistakes, and he asked LaRusa, about whether or not he considered bringing in one of his better bats off the bench in a big situation with Garcia. He had Andrew Vaughn and Jake Berger on the bench. And the ludicrous response, like, LaRusso looks at people like they're the idiots. They, he looks at Merkin, like, I've seen right. the video, he looks at him like, are you watching? Are you watching the same games I'm watching there, big guy? Like, that's the way he looks at the reporters when they ask the question. Well, and the answer, the answer <laughs> to that is clearly no, which makes you wonder what... <laughs> game Tony was watching then right. I what is you know, he he's watching? like Dalton Varsho's great in these situations and it's Tony you're not working for the D-backs anymore it's the wrong team what do you mean like what is he what is he observing on the field because he sees something different than us he's like do you see how he's playing lately I mean of course I'm gonna let him get in there and swig what look it's July the 1st I think I said that that date six times already in this show and I keep saying it over and over again because you cannot say at this point Oh, well, it's just going to turn around magically. Like, you know, you can say that maybe in April and May. Like, ah, once this team gets going, it's July 1st. Garcia's hitting 193. He's got an on-base percentage of 220. He's got an OPS of 480. I could do that. Well, not really, but I mean, I'd come close to it. Like, I mean, like, and Lennon Sosa was up here for a cup of coffee and he was sent back down and LaRusa acted like he got a good enough look at it. He didn't care about that kid. Because he was taking no. away playing time from Garcia. 
You know, and, and that's the thing. I think that's the most frustrating thing is that they're going to live in this denial forever. Like they're going to be sitting there. They're going to be splitting series if they're lucky with the twins and the, and the guardians or even losing series telling you, don't worry, we'll get healthy. We're going to, we're going to make up all this ground in September. And, and this is, this is frightening to me because it's going to bleed into 2023. If we don't start figuring out around that organization, who's terrible and who's good. And that this guy who's the manager is a bad evaluator of it at this point in his career. I mean, 193 on July the 1st. You see how good he's doing? You're not seeing what I'm seeing. I'm a, I'm a Hall of Fame baseball person. I'm seeing something you're not seeing. What are you seeing? And What are you taking to make you see these visions? I, I want to get to Lucas Giolito, too. The visions. The <laughs> visions that he's got. I want to I get to Giolito as well because I was, I was happy that he had a good outing. I also thought it was funny that people, like, immediately started sticking out their chest and, like, pounding it like, you see... He was fine the whole time. Who thought he was having a bad year? He's having a bad year. You know, I I, I find it funny. He's having that a bad year. The standard now is if you could pitch six innings, you're you're Cy Young. You know, if you can get through six innings and give up three runs, you are you are the second coming of Sandy Koufax, according to some fans. Like that was a a fair to good game, and it was one. I hope he builds well, on I, it. The, the six inning thing, though, I, 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 that is where the 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 MLB is right now. You're just not seeing guys go out consistently for seven, eight, nine innings. You're not going to see a lot of complete games this year. Uh, so I, that part, yeah. But, I, you know, I, I can tell you're frustrated because the more you go and sound kind of like you're trying to do a bad Barry Gibb impression and you're going to break <laughs> into night fever, clearly the more frustrated you are with things. But uh, When the voice gets high, Chris is upset. <laughs> yeah, Chris is upset when he's... He started out at Lucas Giolito and ends up shadow dancing, <laughs> doing it, doing it night. All right, listen, uh, before we get to our guest, uh, I want to tell you all about Cork and Carry at the park. It, it's one of the best parts of going to the game now at this point. The, on the field, hit or miss. I mean, it's it, look, you got it less than a 50-50 chance of the fact they're going to win a game. And at home, they're right. terrible. So, well, I if mean, it's Larry on the field, it's more like a 10% chance. <laughs> right. but that's it, yeah. So if you're going to the game, you're going to the game now for the fun, the experience, the drinking, the you know, all the stuff in the in-between. They might win. Who knows? But you're going out to try to have a good time. You're clinging to hope, and why go in there and pay ridiculous ballpark prices for the food when you can start the party early and enjoy your experience a little bit before and after the games at the place, your home base, for White Sox pregame, postgame, and viewing parties, Cork and Carry at the park at the corner of 33rd and Princeton in the shadow of the ballpark, an award-winning menu of burgers and ballpark favorites. Uh, I know you love the one that's got the egg on it. And the bacon oh, and yeah. all, all the yeah. all the good stuff on there. I, I like the one that's got. I, I want to say there's some chorizo on there. Uh, a little a little avocado. It, it's oh a yeah, little that, sp- that one also looks fantastic. Yeah, they've got great great food there. They've got really good bar food. The wings are spectacular when I walk in there. Extensive bar with a rotation of craft beers, familiar favorites, spirits and wines. They have that uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin beer, the Broken Skull. It's the only place I can find. It's all I drink when I walk in there now. I mean, it, it, I, I just think it's cool. I mean, you can't clink the, the cans together and pour it over your face while you're inside. I mean, go stand out in the street, I guess. You for can that. wear I, a leather vest and <laughs> jean shorts, though. You, you so can't stand on the bar and flip off everybody and dump it on your head. That's not allowed. As much as you have the when they hand me the Stone Cold beer, I think about it. 
then I realize that that's wrong. Don't do it, okay? But get over to Cork and Carry at the park, 33rd and Prince in the shadow of the ballpark. Say hi to them every once in a while. There's all kinds of socks in the basement stuff there for you to pick up, some koozies, some hats, whatever. Whatever you can grab, some keychains, and you'll see all of our signs all over the place. We have a great time there. We will see you there again very soon. Learn more at CorkandCarry.com. Joining me on the phone line right now from Socks on 35th. Love that site. Great site for analysis. You know, you get some recaps of the games. Uh, you get people that say what if every once in a while. Even Ed writes uh, a weekly ridiculous article on that website. And I laugh out loud when I read it. And one of the one of the guys that I like reading is Adam Kaplan because Adam will sit there and think to himself, well, team's not so good. I really don't want to write about this again. Let's let's talk about the All-Star game. And you and I are on the same wavelength, my friend. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you very much for having me back on the show. Well, hey, hey I appreciate you jumping on. Uh, so All-Stars, uh, the White Sox, everybody gets one still, right? Isn't that like a guarantee? I know they've changed the system, but everybody's getting one, right? You know, the White Sox might actually have two or three, if you believe it. That's interesting to me. Is Larry Garcia on the roster? Do you think he's making it? I mean, you have to, right? Like, every time... You can have a player who can't play defense anywhere and who has a batting average under 200. I mean, you got to send that guy out of the game. You got to send him play appearances on the White Sox. Who do you have the most confidence in will show up on the All Star team? So for me, it is between Tim Anderson and Dylan Cease. I took a longer time, it would have been Tim Anderson and it wasn't close. But then he got injured for a while and he hasn't been lighting it up since he's gotten back. So a lot of the other shortstops like Xander Bogarts have kind of pushed themselves into the discussion. And then for some reason, Bo Bichette is leading all the, is the leading AL shortstop boat getter, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, I still feel pretty confident in Tim Anderson getting it in regardless. And he'll definitely get in if Bo Bichette doesn't get in. But I guess to answer your question, I'll go with Dylan Cease who is just absolutely dominating. He's coming off of, as we're recording, a, recently a 13-strikeout performance. I mean, that guy is just so good. It's, I can't imagine Dusty Baker, who's the AL, will be the AL manager of the All-Star game, choosing pitchers and leaving Dylan Cease out of it. I am amazed the same way you are at how people will vote for a guy based upon name recognition or what he did the year before over what he's actually doing. I mean, Bo Bichette is at the bottom of the top 10 in most offensive categories. He was a star last year. I mean, what the heck? I have him on my fantasy baseball team. I know he's not playing as well as he did last year because my team is not as good. He's one of the problems that I have on it right now. So I'm surprised that he's leading at the shortstop category at that position right now in the voting. But what I'm more surprised of is that when you see people talk about this, you know, especially on social media and they'll talk about the voting, you get fans that jump in and say, well, these people have earned it. Like these people who have played well over the last 10 years deserve to be in the all-star game, even if they're having a down year. To me, that seems ridiculous. It should be the best player of that season to that point getting into the all-star game. That's how guys, you know, build that reputation. How can a young player be known as a five-time all-star if he can't get himself there until he's been in the league for seven or eight years because he's got to wait for these other guys to get out of the way, Adam? I'll say I'll sort of disagree with you in the sense of I kind of like no one second half ever gets decided in an all-star game. It's so silly. The fact that all-star voting happens so early from fans happens so early in the season after only like a third of the games have been played. 
I was like, that's such a small sample size normally. Um, I kind of agree with the Frank Thomas point he was making last year when T.A. got initially snubbed. Like, T.A. is one of the best shortstops in the game. He was having a good season. He kind of got screwed in 2020 because they didn't have an all-star selection. He had never been an all-star before. He is one of the stars. But at the same time, someone like Bo Bichette, who's who is a good player normally having a down season, the fact that he has an entire country behind him voting for him, he might automatically get to be an all-star. He would never be an all-star normally unless literally all of Canada was voting for him to start. So that part is ridiculous. But someone like Tim Anderson, who has a combination of – he still does have the statistics this year to deserve to start or at least be the reserve candidate. Plus, I think he is a legitimate star. I think that does help. You know, he's in those Dairy Queen commercials with Bryce Harper – the fact that he has all these big moments on the big stages that sealed the Dreams game last year. He has that amazing uh, walk-off home run on Sunday Night Baseball this year after the silly Josh Donaldson uh, comments. And I do think the fact that Tim Anderson has not only been a good player for most of the latter half, but the past couple of years, but also is having a legit good year. He is now a legitimate star. And at some point, I mean, the All-Star game should be a little bit about showcasing your stars. So I do think sometimes a little bit that should factor, but also Tim Anderson is stepping. And excellent there. He's clearly one of the best shortstops in the American League. And if he got into the game, which he should, it shouldn't be an upset to anyone. Our guest today and every guest on Socks in the Basement brought to you proudly by the Village of Lamont. Want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks, and green spaces Filled with adventure, visit the village of Lamont, shop, dine, drink, and explore. Big fireworks celebration this weekend. A food truck festival also happening over the weekend. Learn about it all. Plan your next trip. Visit LamontDowntown.com. I look at Andrew Vaughn's name on here, and I, I think to myself, well, he's not well enough known, I think, still across all of Major League Baseball. He didn't have like a great year last year. He's not top of mind. He's in the DH role on that list. People are going to go for guys they know are spectacular hitters or off the hot starts, whatever. But to me, I would love for whoever it is out there who gets to add somebody outside of the fan vote for Vaughn to get in there. Do you think he's an all-star? Do you think that he should be considered? Andrew Vaughn to me is such an interesting case. I think if you look at, especially on social media, there is a large contingent that see him play and be like, this guy is an all-star. His bat um, has just been incredible this year. If you look at weighted runs created plus among outfielders who are qualified outfielders, he's right now sixth. So his bat is really good. Andrew Vaughn is a really good player, very obviously. And if part of the all-star game is to showcase your stars, Andrew Vaughn should be there. Now, I think last time I checked among, because he's listed as a DH on MLB.com, because he was projected to be the White Sox DH to begin the season. Um, so among DHs, he's 10th in voting, which is absolutely absurd. And to me, that's a failure of the sports propaganda industry as a whole, which is just largely ESPN. I don't personally watch ESPN, but I can imagine that you know, after a four-hit night, they're not, sh which he's had multiple of in 2022, they're not showcasing him. We've kind of seen White Sox over the past couple of years been not as highly regarded as some Yankees or Dodgers or Red Sox players. 
I think ultimately, if you want to go, does he quote unquote deserve it? I think it's borderline just because if you look at DH, um, it's kind of hard to go against Houston's Jordan Alvarez and Angel Shohei Otani. I think he's going to be an all-star for years to come. I just don't know that this year is his year. All right, Adam Kaplan writes for Sox on 35th. Check that out at SoxOn35th.com. We appreciate when he jumps on. He's got a full article breaking down uh, the players we talked about and other White Sox players and their chances of making it onto the All-Star team and whether or not they should make it onto the All-Star team. It is a very interesting read. Adam, thanks for jumping on. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks so much. I always appreciate talking to you. Socks in the Basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. So do you have somebody off the top of your head that you're like, that's an all-star? No. Well, and that's the problem, isn't it? Is that the all-star selection is, it seems so arbitrary. But Anderson, I think, he's an all-star at this point, partially because, one, he's not exactly underperforming. I mean, you know, he could he could always, you always feel like he could kick another gear. But he is the the face of the franchise. He's the White Sox biggest name. And I think that he's a guy that has, at this point, earned some benefit of the doubt. Uh, so injury aside, some struggles coming off the injury, he's still, he's still Tim Anderson. So, you know, in that regard, he's an all-star. Plus, I do tend to think that all-stars more or less are picked based on their prior season. So that is where I would put Anderson. Uh, Vaughn, but Vaughn is the biggest snub because Andrew Vaughn has emerged as a guy that literally every team – Name me a team that wouldn't want Andrew Vaughn right now. Well, here's the funny thing, though. Do you think that it's kind of silly that we've we've dismissed Jose Abreu? And this is what I see. Like everybody's like, ah, Jose, he's not going to make it, right? But Andrew Vaughn should be in. Okay. Well, Jose's yeah. hitting 284 with an 826 OPS. Vaughn's hitting 307 with an 825 OPS. OPS pluses are 134 to 136. But the thing is, we look at Vaughn and we looked at he's young and we want to support him. And we, we think that this is this guy's a future big bopper for years in our lineup. So we appreciate that more because Abreu is on the slight decline and Vaughn is on the way up. Do you think that's why we look at Vaughn and go, yeah, he's in. I don't know about Abreu this year, but he's in. It's partially that, but I think it's also that um Vaughn, I'm not seeing it depends on where they put him. Okay, so if you put Vaughn up against other first basemen, the answer is he's probably not there either. But I think Abreu's numbers are solid, but they're not necessarily transcendent compared to, you know, what other first basemen might, you know, that would merit some consideration. Of course, there's a lot of guys that are hurt now. And so I I think Abreu has a chance to, to, you know, 
back his way in as well. Uh, you know, he, compared to Vladdy, for example, do you think that Abreu is going to get in over Guerrero? Probably not. And he's having a down year. He's not the same as he was last year when he was just an absolute, like, impossible out. He's just, he's come back a little bit to normal. And he's, yeah, you're right. He's probably still, in my mind, I'd be like, yeah, he's, he's above Abreu. Anthony Rizzo's got 20 home runs. Uh, you know, that's not something that's going to be overlooked. Ty France probably qualifies as a first baseman. He's hitting 316 with 10 homers. And has been, you know, fairly unstoppable. I just think I think Abreu's up there, but I don't know that he's head turner that say Andrew Vaughn might be, especially if they view Vaughn as an outfielder. Hold on a second, folks. It's now time. I'm looking at my watch. We're almost done with the show. We've got to get it in for corn in the basement. Michael Suero from Sox on 35th. Second guy from Sox on 35th on this show today. They're all over the place. Uh, you have a report from the minor leagues. Tell me all about the talent we have down there that's being blocked by really bad talent up here in the majors. <laughs> yeah, we need something to distract us, don't we? I'm actually going to hit on the uh, 2021 draft class today. So first of all, you know we've been talking about Colson Montgomery a little bit. Since we last talked, he got a call up to high A Winston-Salem where he has been crushing the ball. You know, all he's done in five games so far is hit a couple home runs and put a an OPS of over 1,100. Prospect re-rankings typically come out sometime in July and August. Do not be surprised if he ranks a little bit higher than people realize. Uh, and then also, I want to hit on our second round pick from last year, Wes Cass. So he was a high school shortstop that we drafted in the second round. Probably was in play to be a first round pick for us if Montgomery wasn't available. He's got off to a bit of a rocky start this year. In April, he had a batting average below 200, wasn't hitting for any power, wasn't looking like things were clicking for him. But then the calendar turned to May, and he started to figure some things out a little bit. And over this past month now, for the month of June, he's hit about a 270 batting average. OPS is at 870. He's hit six home runs in this month. I mean, if the White Sox can ever, you know, figure their stuff out this season and they get themselves back into position where they're going to be buyers, that's the type of prospect that those rebuilding teams are going to be looking at. Say, yeah, we would, we would probably take him for one of our, for one of our bats or you know, one of our relief pitchers. He's probably a guy that would have some value in trades. So, you know, we'll see if uh, he can turn into the centerpiece of getting us back on track soon. Earlier on in the show, we were talking about Lucas Giolito and his last outing. You wanted to go a little bit deeper into Lucas. Tell me about it. Lucas even admitted, right, that he's having problems with this changeup. And the numbers back that up. He can't control that pitch this year. So it's been, basically, it's not generating. It hasn't generated the the swinging strikes that he's been getting. It hasn't been effective against right-handed batters. So clearly he's he's not getting it where he needs to be because right-handed batters this year are hitting 419 with an 871 slugging percentage. Off of his changeup, his career is 238 with a 465 slugging percentage. So that does seem to be the problem. But the, the bigger problem is, is that while his changeup was better in the last game and kind of reverted back closer to the 19% swinging strike that it's had in the past, his slider is still bad. So his slider is not generating any whiffs either, which is why right-handers seem to be lighting him up. So, you know, you look at this and you go, okay, well, is it is it a mechanics issue, and is Ethan Katz kind of lost what he did to turn Lucas around? Is this something where now Lucas is in his own head and trying to throw the slider too hard or throw the changeup and be too fine with it and he can't get it around? Or 
is this just something where he's hiding something? And this is where I get worried, and I don't think anybody's really brought this up, but is this something like last year when Carlos Rodon was going out there, but clearly he was laboring, and there was something with his arm, something that was bothering him, but he knew that this was a key year for his career, so he wasn't going to say anything. And it wasn't until we really saw something immediately obvious, like him going out and throwing 90-mile-an-hour fastballs where he'd been hitting 100 earlier in the season, that we started to really worry. I wonder if there's something that Lucas is hiding. And maybe it's you know from the COVID trip that he had, maybe it's something else. But I wonder if there's something physically wrong with him that he's working through, but it's not bad enough to the point where he's told anybody because he doesn't want to scare anybody off. Because remember, his goal is still sure win a championship and all that stuff, but he's got his eyes on the prize and, and he can't afford, he can't afford to have any season leading up to his free agency year where he's injured, but he, you know, the, the results are just terrible here. So I don't know. I, it, it's, it's the, the numbers suggest though, that there's a control issue with this changeup and it's not fooling anybody and that his slider and curveball are moving a lot, but again, there's no control and they're not fooling anyone. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Didn't he put on extra muscle in the off season? Wasn't that one of the things that was talked about? Uh, I, I do remember something like that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure somebody will correct me at socksinthebasement.com and leave me a voice message and say, you're an idiot or write it on Twitter or whatever. But I, I seem to remember that. And I always go back to when you listen to the old time ball players talk, whenever they got a microphone in front of them and they're not saying something that's offensive because they still live in 1952. But when they're sitting there and they're having like a conversation off the cuff, like on a TV or radio broadcast about how, you know, it's not about muscle. You, you you know, you're not you, you want to be loose and you want to you don't need to have all that on you and you don't want to be so tightly wound because it, that's this isn't the game for it. You're not playing football. And, you know, I wonder I wonder if maybe that I don't know. I'm trying to come up with a reason because none of it makes any sense to me. Ed. Right. Well, and you're you are right. He reported in March that he had added 20 pounds of muscle. Uh, he was aiming for it to be primarily in his legs, around the hamstrings, his hips, so he could use the body more when he's moving down towards the plate and drive more, you know, so he's using less arm, but that's, that's a change that, that represents not just added muscle, but that's a mechanical change is what he's talking about. He's right. talking about using his lower half instead of engaging his arm the same way. So yeah, I wonder if, you know, if this is something where this is an off season where he doesn't have access to the team. Remember we had the whole lockout thing. Did, did Lucas tinker with himself in a way that he shouldn't have? And now we're seeing the results of what happens when, you know, what happens when he's left to his own devices. Right. Because he's sitting there thinking to himself, well, I'm good, but am I good enough for that huge contract? What if I did this? And maybe that backfired. I mean, again, it's all ridiculous speculation by two guys sitting at a bar in their basement. I mean, what do we, yeah. what the heck do we know? Okay, but I mean, we're right a lot, too. We're not watching the same game they are. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're not watching the same game that they're watching. My TV doesn't show me all the good. It just shows me the bad. I got to get one of those TVs to show me the good. Okay, I don't know where you get them oh, from. Oh, is that the problem? Have you been watching Have we been watching the wrong feed? <laughs> did, did MLB start streaming just the bad stuff? You got to gotta pay extra for the good stuff, I think. I think yeah, it's game day, but just the bad stuff is free. <laughs> if I paid for the good stuff, they're 10 games over 500. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.